Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights, brought to you by Illumina Health Partners, a national healthcare consulting firm focused on improving the strategic, financial, and operational performance of provider organizations. On this program, we will explore trends and share valuable insights on how health systems and medical groups can optimize their performance to meet the demands of this increasingly complex healthcare environment and shift to transform the delivery of care. Value-Based Care Insights is hosted by Daniel Marino, managing partner of Lumina Health Partners. Daniel has been in the industry for over three decades and specializes in shaping strategic initiatives for organizations in areas such as population health, clinical integration, physician alignment, information technology, and data analytics. For additional insights, visit luminahp.com and sign up for our newsletter. Dan, over to you. Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights. I am your host, Daniel Marino. As many of you have known and have listened in over the years, we do a lot of work with medical groups and whether they're independent medical groups or they're employed medical groups, that's sort of a passion for for me in particular. I started my career managing a multi-specialty group practice before I got into advisory services and working with physicians has always been something that has been near and dear to my heart. And and certainly I, I do a lot of research around this and, and, and think about, you know, different strategies to help the, the financial performance of medical groups. And, and frankly, I don't think there's, there's enough ideas that, that can come out that can support the, the direction or the insights that can be given to leaders to help them improve their, their performance. Um, and it's, and it's interesting how the, the, the industry, how the structure of medical groups have really changed particularly since COVID over the last, say, three or four years. For instance, one of the reports I look at on a regular basis is, is the Kaufman Hall Physician Flash Report. If you've not seen it, I, I think it's a, it's a pretty well done report. It looks at a lot of great trending information. And, and a couple of key things that have, have really resonated with me over the last couple of years is one, from an employed physician group perspective, the medium subsidy per physician FTE has continued to grow. And it's it's actually about 12% higher than it was just over two and a half years ago. I mean, that's a major increase. The other thing that I find interesting that, that remains a challenge for medical group leaders is not only, you know, some of the things that are driving that loss are the productivity. The productivity of our physicians is actually higher and it's continued to grow when you look at the number of RVUs, but yet the net patient revenue per patient has actually decreased, which means that we're not getting the reimbursement from our payers. No surprise to many folks who are doing the managed care contracting. But one of the other interesting elements of that is the expense per physician FTE has continued to grow to, to increase. So when you look at all of this, the financial pressures put on medical groups continues to, to be a challenge, continues to be a real strain for these hospitals who are employing them, as well as the independent medical groups who are continuing to determine or, or consider ways of growing. Well, I'm, I'm really excited today to have a great guest, somebody I've worked with for Gosh, you know, close to 30 years, he's been a, a great friend and a great mentor to me, Jeff Peters. Um, Jeff is is kind of in the, the next phase of, of his career. He's going to be working with Lumina and driving a lot of the, 
Medical Group Strategy. Um, Jeff, very excited to have you as part of the program today. I am equally excited. Thank you for inviting me. And a, a big congrats to you. You've uh, you, you've now moved into this phase where you're semi-retired and um, doing doing the type of work that you really love. And from what you've said to me, really being aiming to um, you know do the work that you're giving back to the industry. So I, I love it. Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm excited. So so Jeff, you know when when you reflect back on where some of these independent medical groups are, these different hospitals, um, and you know through the through through your career, you know close to forty some some years you've been doing this. You've worked with over you know five hundred organizations across the country. How have you seen these challenges evolve over the years? Yeah, so. Um, I really thought about the fact that when I first created an employed physician group at Ingalls Hospital, which is now part of the University of Chicago health system, and the financials are coming out to the board, and the board is just overwhelmingly perplexed as to how we could possibly run physician practices that are losing $30,000 per physician for primary care. And now when you see the losses over $100,000, I'm sort of thinking, what were they worried about? That was great. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, really? You're beating yeah. me up over this? Um, but we didn't have data on own practices. And, you know, it's very clear what the problem is. There's more need, demand for physicians and advanced providers than there are supply. So you have to pay more to attract and retain um, physicians. And you also have to pay more for their support staff. Yeah, for but, their support staff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I, I think the, you know, when 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 I ref and as well as with you, I, I talk to many leaders all the time across the country. Access is the number one issue that they struggle with. Wage inflation, if it's not number one, it's a close number two. Um and, and retaining the staff is really key, as well as then physician well-being. So so let's talk a little bit about access though. You know, if you've got limited number of providers, you've got more demand than you do with supply, what are you seeing on some of these strategies? How are organizations how how are they dealing with some of this? Well, I think the first thing is that you've got to assemble teams to manage um a group of patients. It's not only physicians, it's advanced practice providers and um, in, in more quaternary tertiary practices, nurses. And you need to allow the advanced practice provider to see the patients that they're qualified to see. And you need to reserve the physician's time for the more complex patients. So the, the idea that 
we're always going to see a physician. It, it's just not going to happen. I mean, yeah. recently I had a annual skin exam. I called my dermatologist. I was scheduled with an advanced practice provider. I thought she did a fabulous job. Yeah. Um, she was thorough and personable and identified things. So we've got to be creative in terms of our workforce. And we've got to save physicians time. When I go to my ENT with a sinus infection, there's a medical assistant who's assisting him with the scope and just getting everything ready. And he has a scribe. Wow. And, and he's dictating as he's seeing me what's going on. And he's able to really make efficient use of his time. So we've got to be creative. Yeah. And, and, and really innovative, right? These in, What you just described are these innovative care models around team-based care, around helping the physician succeed and innovation in the care models, I fully agree with you. That's how we're gonna help to kind of work through some of these access challenges. I think without doing that, the traditional model is not sustainable. No, and physicians like the team model. Um, a lot of the work that the team is doing is work that physicians um, don't like to do, the charting and the things like this. I mean, you hear physicians complaining about the fact at the end of the day, they're spending one or two hours on the EMR getting oh, caught yeah. up with their documentation to save them an yeah. hour or two a day. Phenomenal. And Dude. the other thing is just handling the telephone yeah. and the patient calls that come in and the emails that go to the physician. We've got to be creative in identifying what work can we take away from the physicians that gives our patients the care that they need and deserve, yet doesn't burden our um, high cost providers? I absolutely agree. I, I think as we're thinking about the future strategy of, of, of medical groups, whether you're independent or employed, these innovations that you spoke about, this way of, of, of kind of uh, making the physicians more efficient, spot on. I, I, I absolutely see that as a necessity of performance. Let, let's talk a little bit about growth, though. Um, you know, obviously, everybody's concerned about growth. In, and especially if your expenses are increasing, you can't necessarily cut services. You cut, can't cut staff. I think we're probably as lean as we've ever been. You have to focus on increasing the patient volume. You have to focus on increasing revenue. In your opinion, where what where are some of those key growth initiatives that help to kind of drive the financial performance? Yeah, and and I think there's been models in the market for a very long time. Multi-specialty groups are very profitable and they tend to attract and retain providers. And single specialty groups like urology, where you're able to get all the urologists in a market to come together so that they um, not only share practice overhead, but then it supports um, pathology, it supports imaging and, and treatment for it makes sense. So 
what the growth has to focus on is getting a large enough group of providers that drives ancillary revenue. You're not going to make your money on the profitability of a physician practice where you're going to make your money, particularly for academic medical centers or hospital practices in establishing integrated ambulatory campuses where there's urgent aid to take care of the patients that don't have a primary care or don't want to wait, that primary care um, surrounded by specialists. So the urgent aid for the patient that doesn't have a physician can refer that patient to the primary care. So there's an ongoing relationship. As that primary care picks up a heart murmur, there's a cardiologist in the building that they can refer them to. And there's a spectrum of diagnostics and treatment. What we're seeing is, um, and the University of Chicago has been masterful at this, creating these integrated campuses with urgent aid, primary care, secondary care. Um, right. So it's all sort of integrated and it's it's right there for the patient and for the physicians. So you can actually have create more of a, a longitudinal care model getting the results that you need. Yeah, and the patients like it because they're getting care close to home at yep. one location. And it's those high margin ancillaries, your infusion centers, your linear accelerator, your ASC, that is actually going to drive the profitability of those campuses. If you're just tuning in, I am Daniel Marino, and you're listening to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm here today with Jeff Peters. And we are fascinating discussion on strategies to help medical groups improve their financial performance. So Jeff, kind of building on your comments, when you think about growth, it is should the growth be more focused on primary care growth? Should the growth be more focused on specialty care growth? Or is it really an integrated growth strategy where you're thinking about how those two domains, so to speak, can really complement each other to drive even more value. Yeah, I mean, I think you answered your own question. Increasingly, um, I think it's an integrated strategy where it's primary and secondary care. That's how multi-specialty groups have succeeded in the market. And patients like it because they're going to one organization to get all of their healthcare needs met. And it, it it's integrated. There's a level of um, understanding and comfort. So I think that's what you need to focus on, integrated systems. But what but, about those organizations that um, have really invested in certain clinical service lines, like cardiovascular, um, like, you know, oncology and cancer, um, you know, orthopedics continues to do well, uh, ENT, gastroenterology, some of the others. How does that growth strategy fit into the either the integrated model or ways to, to really enhance the financial performance of the of the full group and even of the whole organization? Yeah, um, so you're 
your primary care platform is going to support specialties, particularly like a comprehensive um, cardiac program um, or things like that. And you want your comprehensive specialty programs to really have a depth of specialists mm. in them. Um, right. You know, your general cardiologist, um, the, the, the rhythm, the electric. But then probably having the subspecialist too, right? So you're keeping everybody in that network. I I, I love it. I, I agree with you. I think the more yeah. comprehensive that you can be around that specialty, certainly keeps that's, everything in there. You're really driving the value. Yeah, that's where you're driving value. And physicians like that because they can give better care to their patient. They can stay a generalist or specialist if they want to. But the other thing that a large group does is it reduces the call burden mm. and it creates the lifestyle of the physician to be more um, acceptable, balanced. So it gives a greater level of care to the patient, but at the same time, we're establishing mechanisms where we're addressing some of the lifestyle issues, which are a detraction for many providers. Wow. Well, I, I think that's uh, that's one of the top issues, right? I mean, there's been, you talk to physicians, um, We were, I was just in a, in, a, in a meeting the other day where this integrated medical group was talking about uh, how they're still managing physician burnout, the physician well-being challenges um, for their group just post-COVID, right? And, and, and again, we're, we're a couple of years into it, we're still feeling those effects. So let's let's talk a little bit about culture, right? You, you've touched on this a couple of times. Um, in your opinion, how do we need to evolve the culture of either our medical group leadership or our physicians? Yeah, so I think you've hit on it. The key to success is having a healthy culture where physicians feel valued and appreciated because they've gotten a lot of education to get to where they are and they sacrificed a lot and they work hard and they want people to recognize it. So part of it is having a governance body where physicians are able to make the decisions to affect their practice. Mm -hmm. What, what irritates physicians is when changes are made and it's mandated from above um, by people like you and I, who are business folks that think we understand the practice of medicine. Physicians understand the practice of medicine. Everybody understands that we can't have losses. So rather than imposing solutions to reduce losses, let's just give it to the governance body saying, we need to get our loss per provider down 25% in the next 12 months. Um, we'd right. like you to come up with a plan and to implement it. Right, so, so it's physician-led, right? It's physician-driven. Yeah. And I think where we've often, and we, we saw this a lot of times in COVID, if, if you're losing a lot of money, administrators will typically kind of jump in inside and sort of right sides of ship. And, I, and and what you're saying, and I, I fully agree, I think we have to engage our physician leaders and our physician governance body to really turn this around 
I think in order to, to, to not only achieve the goals, but to make sure that the, the, the culture continues to grow. Yeah, and I think the second component is aligning physician compensation with the organizational incentives. Yes. Per paying physicians based upon the profitability of their practice. And if it's a specialty um, that's not going to be profitable, you can reward them based upon reducing the loss. But um, I was at a very successful oncology practice this week. It dominates oncology in this um, Midwestern city. And the oncologist is able to decide whether they want to be supported by a nurse, whether they want to be supported by an MA, whether they want more than one nurse or more than an MA, whether they want an advanced practice provider. And then their compensation is based upon the profitability of, of his individual practice, the revenue that he generates and his team generates minus the cost. Um, I was with one system where the board mandated that the loss per physician within this group be reduced by $50,000 a physician wow. within the next two years. So what they did is they established an incentive pool where people were rewarded on their profitability and their productivity, but they shared 50% of the reduction of the loss with the providers. And that- That's a great way to share the incentive. Love that. And the reduction was based upon your percentage of the group's productivity. So if you generated 10% of the Love revenue that. and the incentive pool was a million dollars, you got um, an extra $100,000. Right. Oh, and it just aligns with where we're going with, with, with value-based performance. So you're clearly working with a lot of organizations around the country on their medical uh, on their medical group strategy and, and they're improving their strategic performance. As, as leaders are thinking about the strategy for their organization and you know thinking about how they need to improve that that performance, deal with the culture, deal with access issues, um, all the top of mind issues that you know that you had brought up, what would be the piece of advice that you'd give to these leaders? Where should they start? I think the way you start <laughs> is by bringing your physicians together and saying, we want to make this an organization that provides the best care to our patients. And part of the way that we do it is to make our physicians feel valued and appreciated. What are the things that are important to you that we look at changing? And what we wanna do is develop a plan that the physicians help to shape and help to execute it because what we've gotta do is give the practices back to the physicians so they feel personally attached 
to the health of their patients and the health of their practice. Yeah, great point. And, and I agree. I, I think instead of having the administrators define the plan, including the physician leaders, engaging the physician leaders, helping the physician, as you mentioned, um, sharing in the performance outcomes, right? Because then then there's ownership, they're bought into it. Uh, great points. I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, Jeff, this has been this has been great. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a number of our listeners who are physician leaders, who are practice leaders. If if they have questions, um, you know, if they want to connect with you or find out a little bit more, um, can you share your information with them? Yeah, I mean, feel free to email me at jpeters at luminahp.com. Lumina is spelled L-U-M-I-N-A-H-P. And, you know, call me. It's fine, 312-330-6800. Dan, it's always a pleasure to get to uh, I'll tell you, Jeff, I'm very excited for this. And I'm, I'm particularly excited to leverage a lot of your experiences and insights as we work with organizations around the country on their on their medical uh, group strategy. So thanks again for, for being here and a special thanks to all of our listeners. Until the next insight, I am Daniel Marino bringing you 30 minutes of value to your day. Take care. Are you at a crossroad with value-based care? Do you need to chart a future strategy or improve your organizational performance? Visit us at luminahp.com to learn more about our consulting services and leadership development programs. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. For more information about value-based care insights, visit the program's page on healthcareradionow.com or luminahp.com. Join the conversation using our hashtag, VBCInsights. We are Lumina Health Partners. Thank you for joining us today. Until the next value-based care insight, stay well.